in the Arch Girl Gemara. The main topic of the following Gemara is about the prohibition for a Kohen uh, to marry a Zona. There is a prohibition in the Torah. We know that for Kohanim, they have uh, greater restrictions in terms of who they can marry. So, for example, a Kohen is not allowed to marry somebody who is divorced, and a Kohen Gadol cannot marry a widow. So in addition to that, a Kohen is also not allowed to marry somebody who is categorized as a Zona. Now, a Zona literally means a prostitute, but it doesn't, from a halachic perspective, uh, from the Torah, it's not referring to a prostitute, but it's referring to somebody, uh, a woman who has sexual relations with somebody that they're prohibited to have sexual relations with. Uh, but it's not exactly... Like that, it's, you have to know the parameters. For example, if she has relations while she's in Nida, um, after, while she had her period and she didn't go to the mikveh yet, so even though that's not allowed, but that would not make her into a zona. Uh, so, uh, however, for the other cases where, let's say, it's prohibitive to have uh, sexual relations, so for example, if she commits adultery or she has relations with uh, immediate relatives, something like that would make her into a Zona. And so then afterwards, she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. She's allowed to marry a Yisrael, somebody who's not a Kohen, but she would not be allowed to marry a Kohen. Now, just parenthetically, it is discussed by some of the commentators on this page, uh, what happens if she is single and uh, as a single woman, she has sexual relations. So the law is, is that if she has sexual relations with a Jew and not as... If she has sexual relations with a Jew as a single... She does not become a Zona. She could marry a Kohen. However, if it's with a non-Jew, so then she would not be allowed uh, to marry a Kohen. And so they have, they discuss, the modern day post discuss different scenarios, unfortunate scenarios, where she becomes a Balchuva, she returns uh, to a Halacha and to the Torah after she already had relations with a non-Jew uh, or we're not sure whether it was a Jew or non-Jew. Do we believe her in terms of uh, what happened in the past? These are all part of the discussion about whether or not she's allowed to marry a Kohen. But that's just a parenthetical point. Now, our Gemara is also going to point out another difference, uh, an added stringency that applies to Kohanim, which is that when it comes to a regular Yisrael, so let's say a woman is married to a Yisrael, not to a Kohen, if she is uh, unfairly, unfortunately, if she is raped, if she is forced to have sexual relations with somebody else, so that is not halakhically viewed as adultery. It's not halakhically viewed as adultery. If she committed adultery willingly, she's not allowed to stay married. However, if it's not willingly, if it's forced upon her, so then she's allowed to remain married to her husband. However, that is only true if her husband is not a Kohen. If her husband is a Kohen, uh, so then that is not allowed because when it comes to Kohanim, the reason why they're not allowed to marry uh, or stay married, either marry or stay married uh, to a Zona, to somebody who committed adultery or uh, who committed incest, uh, the reason why they're not allowed to stay married is not because of the act of the sin, which was done will- willingly, but it's a result of the act itself. It was the result of a certain pegam, a certain blemish that occurs as a result of the act. So unfortunately, very unfortunate that as a result of uh, a rape, 
they would she would not be either allowed to marry a Kohen in the future or stay married if she currently is married uh, to a Kohen. So the Gemara is going to be discussing this topic. So let's see this inside. Amr of Amram, Hamilsa Amr Lan Rav Rav Amram says, and we're on the bottom of 56a, turning to 56b, Rav Sheshit said the following, he proves the following from the Mishnah. This comes from our Mishnah, and we'll see uh, what the proof is in a second, and the Gemara will attempt to disprove this proof, to reject this proof. But he said as follows, That if you have somebody who is married to a Yisrael, so she's married to a non-Kohen, and so unfortunately, let's say she's forced She's raped, and she raped by somebody else. So she's definitely allowed to stay married to her husband. Her husband's not a Kohen. However, after her husband passes away, so either, let's say, if she's the daughter of a Kohen, she would not be allowed to eat truma, and beyond that, she would not be allowed to marry a Kohen afterwards because she does become disqualified from the kahuna, even though it was forced, but she does become disqualified uh, from the kahuna. Vitana tuna, and we could prove it uh, from our Mishnah. The Tanah Mishnah taught us like this. Why? How, what did it say? It says, We had the first half of the Mishnah in our original Mishnah, and then we had the second half of the Mishnah. So just to review, the first half of the Mishnah discussed all these different cases of Yibam. Of Yibam, where it was either forced, or you didn't realize that it was your sister-in-law, or uh, it was Ha'ara, it was just the initial insertion, um, So or Shalok Kedarka, or it was done... Uh, through the abnormal, literally the abnormal way, through uh, an act of anal sexual relations. Uh, so in all, those are all the cases that were discussed in the Mishnah. That was the first part of the Mishnah, discussing Yibam. And then the second part of the Mishnah says V'chein. And similarly, the same thing is true when it comes to all the Arayas, all the illicit relations, and with regards to postling somebody from Kuhuna, disqualifying somebody from being part of the Kuhuna. So we see from here that the list in the first part of the Mishnah also applies to the second part of the Mishnah, which discusses the fact that she would be disqualified from being part of the Kuna. And part of that initial list, that first list, is the fact that it's forced. If it was forced, Yibam does work. Whether it was he was forced or whether she was forced, Yibam works. And it says, similarly, she becomes disqualified from the Kuna. My love, my v'chein, my love, loshna b'shogev, loshna b'mezev, loshna b'onis, loshna b'ratzon, v'kitani b'sula. Isn't the v'chein, the similarly, the connection between the first half of the Mishnah and the second half of the Mishnah also coming to include the case where she's forced? And yet the Mishnah says that she's pasul the kuhuna. She's not allowed to join with the kuhuna. So the Gemara says, no, maybe there's no raya, there's no proof from there. Why? My v'chein, when we said similarly, it's not talking about all the cases in the first half of the Mishnah. It's referring to one case. Which case? V'chein ahahara. It's referring to ha'ara, which was viewed as a sort of a separate case the case of where it was just the initial insertion, but it was done all willingly. So you can't prove from there that if it was forced, then she can't enter into the kuhuna. So the says, it can't really, no, it can't really be referring to ahara. Why not? Ahara the man. Which ha'ara are we referring to here? Uh, that was this, the initial insertion. It can't be referring to the initial insertion. Why? Because what that, the structure of the Mishnah doesn't make sense. First, the Mishnah says that when it comes to Yibam, doing the initial insertion, not going all the way, but the initial insertion, that itself fulfills Yibam. And similarly, the Mishnah would then be saying, similarly, when it comes to the other Arayos, when it comes to the other prohibitive relationships, the same thing would apply. 
That doesn't make sense because the actual source for this idea comes not from Yibam, but it comes from the other illicit relationships. Uh, so it wouldn't make sense in the order of the Mishnah to first mention Yibam and then say similarly, no, Yibam is not the actual primary source. So the Gemara says, fine. So it's not talking about Ha'ara. Elamai v'chena shelo kedarka. Da'arayas ad'arabi ikir mishkavi isha baraz ksev. Elamai v'chena shelo kedarka b'techai ve'lavin. So they say, you know what the similarly is? It's referring to also one case. It's not referring, perhaps, it's not referring to the case that she was forced, and therefore you have no proof. What's the case that it's referring to? It's referring to the case of Shiloh Kedarka, of having sexual relations in Shiloh Kedarka, literally the abnormal way, through the anal sexual act. Uh, and that's that's what it's referring to. And just like that's true with Yibam, that word work for Yibam, so, so too that would be a prohibition when it comes to having relations when you're not allowed to have uh, relations. So the Gemara says, well... It really depends which which type of illicit relations are we referring to here. If it's the ones to the level of kares, that it's a very serious pr- uh, punishment, uh, so then that doesn't make sense because the source is from there. The same question that we had by Ara. The source in the end of the day is from there. So the Gemara concludes, you know what we're referring to? It's coming to include other cases, not the ones with the severe punishment, but it's referring to the regular chayve laven, the regular negative commandments. Like the commandments of uh, the Kohen marrying uh, somebody who's divorced, the Kohen Gadol marrying a widow, those cases do not have a severe punishment uh, attributed to, to those to those uh, prohibitive acts. Um, and there, so then we could say that we're comparing Yibum, the sort, we could then say Yibum is the first part of the Mishnah, and then the Mishnah is coming to teach us similarly when it comes to those cases. So then those cases, Shiloh Kitarka, if you do it in the abnormal way, those would also lead to prohibitions. But the point of the Gemara is to say we can't necessarily bring a proof from our Mishnah. We cannot prove from our Mishnah necessarily uh, that when uh, she is forced uh, to, let's say, commit adultery, that she then becomes pasal lekuhuna, that she becomes uh, forbidden to marry a Kohen. Now, it is important to note that up until this, uh, up until what we read, we'll see that it changes. The the subject will change uh, in, a, in the next line. But we were discussing one particular case where she was married to a non-Kohen. She was married to a non-Kohen, and then somebody else uh, essentially forces her to have sexual relations with him. And so the, the Gemara is telling us that first Rav Shisha says that it's clear that she's allowed to stay married to her husband because her husband's not a Kohen, but after the husband passes away, she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. And he tries to bring, they try to bring a proof in the Mishnah. And there might not be a proof in the Mishnah. So if there's no proof in the Mishnah, it could be that she'd be allowed to uh, marry a Kohen. Now, that's limited to specifically that case, because that case, since she's allowed to stay married to her current husband, so maybe that changes everything. Since she's allowed to mar- stay married to her current husband, so then maybe we don't necessarily view her as a Zona, let's say, um, because she's allowed to stay married to, to her current husband, so maybe she'll be allowed to marry a Kohen afterwards, after her husband passes away. However, everybody agrees, and this is the this is the main point for the next part of the discussion. Everybody agrees that let's say she was not married to her husband, who's who's not a Cohen. Either she was married to a Cohen, or let's say let's let's say she was married to a Cohen. Everybody agrees that if she was married to a Cohen, even if she was forced to have sexual relations by rape, essentially by somebody else, uh, so then she would have to. Uh, she can't stay married to her husband because her husband is a Kohen. She was not allowed to be. She was not allowed to uh, stay married because even though it was forced, uh, it doesn't. With regards to who a Kohen is allowed to marry, it doesn't make a difference 
because they're not allowed to marry somebody who, in the end of the day, went through that act of having relations with somebody that they're not allowed to have relations with, even if it was forced. And that's something which is unique to Kohanim. Uh, so the Gemara goes on. There's two different uh, versions of the following statement of Rava, either Rava or Rabba, but they have the following statement. They have two different versions of the statement. So this is the first version. Amar Rava. Rava says, H is calling Shenansa Baala Lokala Mishum Zona. If we have the wife of a Kohen, again, we're discussing the case of the wife of a Kohen. She's married to a Kohen, and she uh, has she's forced to have sexual relations with somebody else. She is not allowed to stay married to the Kohen. In fact, she gets malchus. She gets lashes. Why? What prohibition did she violate if they stay married? Rava says she violated the prohibition of a Kohen marrying a Zona. Kohen's not allowed to marry a Zona, included in a Zona. A Zona is a hard term, as we pointed out in the beginning, to define, but included in a Zona is certainly the case of somebody who commits adultery. So even though she's forced into it, in the end of the day, she performed the act itself. So the Gemara says, is it limited to Zona? There should be a separate prohibition. Mishum Zona in, Mishum Tumalo. Ema af Mishum Zona. So why is it only Zona? Maybe we should include... Uh, a different prohibition. What would be the other prohibition? Let's say the husband was not a Kohen and she actually committed adultery willingly. So they're not allowed to stay married because it's viewed as a sota. Anytime you, she commits adultery, they're not allowed to stay married. Forget about the fact that whether or not she's a zona, she's categorized as a zona. But in the end of the day, anytime she commits adultery, she's not allowed to stay married. So this Aisha's Kohen, now that we are back to the situation of the wife of a Kohen, so first of all, she's a Zona. It's true, she's a Zona. So she's not allowed to stay married to the Kohen. But she should also uh, violate the uh, commandment that she's not allowed to, uh, the law is, is that she's not allowed to stay married to her husband if she commits adultery. And since for the Kohen, it doesn't make a difference whether it was done willingly or not willingly, whether it was forced, so she should violate both. If they stay married, they should violate both prohibitions. One is the fact that she's a Zona. And the other one is that she's staying married to her husband after committing adultery. Granted, it was forced, but in the end of the day, she's staying married after having relations with somebody else. So the Gemara says, true, they violate both. They would be two different prohibitions. So the Gemara asks uh, just a side question. Masev, Rebzeira, says, what's the source for this whole idea in the Torah? Because the Torah says, with regards to a non-Kohen, vihi lo Asura Nitbusamutares with regards to a non Kohen, that if she is not being forced, if she does it willingly, so then she's forbidden. Implication being that if she does it willingly, sorry, not willingly, so then she's allowed to stay married. But it says Vihi, she implication is Asura. That the implication is that it's specifically her. Only that scenario do we say that if she's forced, she's allowed to stay married. But there's another situation where she's not allowed to stay married. What is that referring to? To the wife of a Kohen. The wife of a Kohen cannot remain married. So the Gemara asks, The Gemara just asks a side question that says, Why does why does she receive lashes? Lashes are only received. Rava said that she receives the punishment of lashes. The punishment of lashes are only received if one violates a negative commandment. And this is not a violation of a negative commandment. It's something that we refer to as, That it's indirectly derived from the Torah. Because it says that when it comes to the wife of a Yisrael, of a non-Kohen, they're allowed to remain married. Uh, implication being, it's an implication. It's uh, it's not directly found in the Torah. Its implication is that for the wife of a Kohen, they're not allowed to remain married. So why should they get lashes? That's the side question. So Rabbah answers, uh, Amar Rabbah, 
Hakol hayu b'chlal zona. Shpir lecha kosov gabe eishes shav. He lo nitbas asura. Ha nitbas amuteres mechlal de eishes kohen kedekaima kaima. Rabbi says that no, you do violate the negative commandment because the purpose what the Torah is teaching us is that it's teaching us to who is who would fall under this category of zona. That ultimately is what the Torah is teaching us. Who would fall under this category of zona? Um, and when it comes to a koe and whether or not it's forced, they would fall under the category of zona. And when it comes to zona, the Torah says it as it states it as a negative commandment, and so therefore they would, uh, she would get lashes for this. That was just to solve that side point. There's a second version, a similar second version. Ikadamri. The second version is as follows: Amar Rabba Rabba says, "Eishes koin mishum mishum in mishum zona lo alma baones lo karinim bezona." According to the second version, the wife of a Kohen who is forced to have a sexual act with somebody out, not to, with somebody who's not her husband. So this second version says that she is only viewed as a sota from a, from a, the Kohen's perspective. She, because we don't make a difference whether it's willing, done willingly or not willingly. She is viewed as somebody who committed Adultery, even though it was forced, but from the Kohen, for a Kohen, it's not about whether it's willingly or not. In the end of the day, she did the act itself, and so they cannot remain married because of that. However, is she viewed as a zona? No, she is not viewed as a zona. She would not be viewed under the category of a zona because a zona has to be done uh, willingly. That's what the Gemara says right now. So the Gemara asks, Mister Rabzera, Rabzera asks the following question. And this is the same question, the same side question that we had from the first version, which was Mesa Rebzeira, the verse, how do we know this whole idea that a Kohen doesn't make a difference whether it's done willingly or not? Because the verse says with regards to a non-Kohen that if she has relations, illicit relations, she commits adultery uh, willingly, she's forbidden to her husband, but if it was done by force, she's allowed to stay with her husband. The implication is she, the non-Kohen, someone who's married to a non-Kohen. But the implication is and there's another situation, that even if it's forced, she's forbidden to remain with her husband. So that's referring to the wife of a Kohen. And we have the same question. That's not the violation of a negative commandment. That's the violation of an implication from a positive statement in the Torah. So why get lashes? That's the question. So the same answer. That no, that the point of the verse is to then teach us that this is viewed as a sota. That this scenario with regards to a Kohen at least is viewed as somebody who committed adultery. And so then it's the violation of somebody who committed adultery, which is stated as a negative commandment. And therefore, it makes sense that she would receive uh, lashes. Okay, but at the end of the day, the difference between the two versions of Rabbah what are these two different versions of rabbis? That according to the first version, uh, if she's forced to commit adultery, if she's forced into it, so then first of all, uh, she's a sota. She's somebody who cannot remain married to her current husband if the husband is a Kohen, uh, because it's viewed as though she did the act of adultery. She didn't commit adultery because it was forced. It's not, not a punishment on her. She doesn't get uh, she doesn't get punished because it was forced, but she committed the act, so she can't remain married to the Kohen. And also, she's viewed as a zona. She's also viewed as she under, falls under the category of a zona. According to the second version, she does not fall under the category of a zona, but she still cannot remain married to her current husband as as a, as a sota, as somebody who did the act of adultery. Certainly, she's not punished for it. We wouldn't punish for it at all because obviously 
uh, it was forced upon her, but she cannot remain married to her current husband.